What is going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome back to the Maddie Betts UFC preview show. We have a fun, fun Saturday. Last Saturday to recap the pay-per-view card that was in New York. It was a fun one filled with ups and downs for both Maddie and I. And then we're going to take a peek and, of course, look at this weekend's card, UFC Vegas 82. We've got Paul Craig, Brendan Allen, and a middleweight event. So that, that one at least should be worth tuning in for with a couple of guys that Maddie and I have both made money on, lost money on, a couple up and down careers for those two. So we're excited to dive in. Um, but of course, I need to bring in and need to check on my guy, the man, the myth, the long shot legend, Maddie Tanner. How you doing today, buddy? Tom fucking Aspinall. That's all I got to say. Yeah. That's the parlay for me. Did you see Was the that... plus 6,700 I hit? I, I did. Uh, Lopez KO, yeah. um, Gordon KO, right? And then and then Aspinall. Um, could there have been a more badass way that Tom Aspinall did that than just looking Pavlovich in the eye face-to-face and knocking him out cold? Bro, it was – I'm not going to lie. Like, I was pretty confident on the Pereira pick. Yep. That Aspinall pick right before the fight, I was like, holy shit, I hope I didn't screw this up because it is so scary – betting against Sergey Pavlovich. Like, it is just so scary. And honestly, I was wrong. I thought Aspinall would try to take the fight to the ground, but he was like, I'm about to stand and bang. And honestly, Pavlovich, the more we look at it, like, he's just fought guys that, like, he's just able to do that, come forward, and, like, eventually he's going to catch up to him, and it did. And honestly, I thought Aspinall was about to get chin. He got yep. he got hit, and I was like, this is about to be the end. Yep. And, man, he is so fast, though. And his hands and his boxing are so good. And that's the one thing I think like I was most like people weren't talking enough about was the fact that Aspinall's boxing is just as good. Like yep. it's just as good, if not, you know, I mean, maybe even a little better after what we saw, but it was a hell of a night. We hit the plus sixty seven hundred parlay. We got Aspinall money line, Pereira money line, Andrage inside the distance, Lopez KO. Those are the nights I wish every single card could be like. So so let me go here because it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows in the main event. You and I were head to head for the third time since we've been doing this. You liked Alex Pereira. I liked Yuri Prohaska. Um, I, I, that, by the way, that stare down and the start of that fight was so intense. It felt like I was watching like an anime martial arts battle is what, what it felt like I was watching. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think either you or I was a super fan of the stoppage with Yuri. It's cer- he certainly was rocked. It was kind of the beginning of the end. I wasn't was at cer- first. Yeah, but you're you know Yuri himself came out afterward and said, "Hey, I didn't really have a problem with it." So I mean, I yeah. can't really debate it too much. It, it's okay anyway. The only win I have head to head against you was Fazeev tearing his ACL. So we'll, I'm absolutely <laughs> good to move on. We'll see the next time we might be split on a main event, which could be as soon as tonight. I, I don't know which side you yeah. fall on. Um, but I can't wait to dive in and figure it out. Andrage, definitely a highlight for us. I think Diego Lopez, you and I were kind of on the same path, uh, even though we kind of had, had a trendy underdog. The one thing that I hope you guys didn't read my stuff after Tuesdays, I love Jamal Embers inside the distance. It took him less than a minute and I waffled about it. I, I started to get cold feet. He missed weight on Friday. Um, yeah, really bad texted me. That's the worst feeling, bro. It's worse. Yeah. It's it's honestly worse to miss out on something you were so confident on than to lose. Just yeah. lose a bet. Like just know and you're like, damn, because I did it a couple of weeks ago. Every lean I had on the card that didn't make my card, every single one cashed. Yeah. And I'm like, that's the worst. Like did an NFL too. I was like, I'll go back and watch my NFL shows after the fact. And I'm like, I picked like every game right. And these games didn't even make my betting card. 
Yeah, and it's just frustrating, but it happens. We were even seconds from a Jared Gordon second round knockout would have had an even better night. Bro, I don't remind me. I'm so mad about that. We read that fight perfectly. Just missed so out on seconds. I'm lucky because I had Gordon by KO on that plus 6,700 parlay. Yep. But on my full betting card, I had Gordon round two and three knockout. Yep. And it went perfectly. Four and a half minutes of Madsen coming forward, knees in the clinch, really dominating that fight early for the most part. And then the gas tank and just goes and he gets hit with an uppercut. And I'm like, God damn it. Like 15 seconds goes by. I'm hitting a plus 1600 bet in round two. I could, that was, I was really frustrated the first half of that card. And man, it was like a roller coaster. The second half was just unbelievably perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And so we could sit here all day and parade ourselves about last week. We both love cards like that, where we have a lot of data. We we use data differently. I'm much more analytical. You look at betting trends, you look at valuations, you look at styles and that type of thing. This problem on this card this week for UFC Vegas 82 is for half of these fights, maybe more than half, we have very, very little useful data on any of these guys. Even yeah. if you get into the co-made event, we've got like sample size concerns, at least for me. Um, to mm -hmm. a point where I barely feel comfortable modeling it. So we are probably going to have a lot of these fights today that we just kind of pass on. We're like, nah, I don't really think, I don't really feel anything here. I don't feel comfortable giving anything out because it really could go either way. And there are a lot of unknowns. So I just want to yep. get that up front here. And now we will dive into a guy who actually ha does have a little bit of data facing one with very, very little here. We got a men's flyweight opener here. I actually think it's a pretty good fight. Good measuring stick for both dudes here. Rafael Estevan coming off the contender series, had this dominant effort there. Slight favorite here over a guy now we've seen in four UFC bouts. Charles Johnson got the unfortunate notice of Mohamed Makayev on short notice, fought Cody Durden in his last fight. So he's fought some killers in this flyweight division. Esteban making his official debut here. Have you had time to like dive in to look at this guy? Because we don't we don't have a ton to work with, but we do have at least something. Yeah, I haven't had a ton of time, but what I will say is I think Charles Johnson's actually pretty decent. Um, I actually like him in this spot as a dog here. Like yeah. the Cody Durden fight, you know, he got taken down eleven times, but it is Cody Durden and mm -hmm. fifty-six to fifty-two. In uh, strikes, like it was a close, you know, it was an unanimous decision, but you know, nothing to be ashamed of. Odie Osborne fight, split decision. The Muhammad Makai fight back in 2022 goes the distance there. Um, the takedowns are obviously an issue for him to take down defense. So I haven't spent a lot of time in this fight, but I definitely lean the dog here. Yeah, um, it really a very intriguing fight where you say, hey, the takedown defense is an issue. Like, um, I I definitely give him a little bit of a pass. Muhammad Makaya, very efficient with his takedowns. Cody Durden, very efficient with his takedowns. Ode Osborne, a little bit less so, you know, and, and Johnson was a pretty yeah. sizable favorite, ended up losing that fight. Um, Estevan comes in off this contender series fight. It was before I was watching the contender series regularly, but I did go back and look at it. It was like laughably dominant. He controlled analytically 89% of the duration of the fight. Um, it only absorbed three significant strikes. And like, that's the thing about the contender series. Sometimes they are guessing the UFC scouting mm -hmm. department and they can miss. I wonder if that is who Estebaum actually is in terms of this division, looking more dominant than a Makahev or a Durden. But I look at this betting line and the fact he was so dominant on the contender series. Johnson has a losing record in UFC. Why is Charles Johnson such a small underdog here? That's just my general thought process. And he's a guy yeah. that you and I both like. We've seen him when he's had top position, like on Jimmy Flick, pretty good ground and pound. So 
I think Estevam, I'm throwing out the F word a little bit, a little bit of a fraud as far as the contender series appearance. I don't think that's what we can expect. Didn't get much of a test of his cardio. Um, I feel like Johnson's takedown defense is better than it is analytically, 54%. He he made Muhammad Makayev work quite a bit. And by the way, 11 takedowns for Durden, 12 for Makayev. That's takedown recovery as well. Tire out your opponent. So I think this at first fight is absolutely dog or pass. That's a, I think, yeah, that's a good point. So, like, I yeah. think Johnson, uh, Johnson, the veteran, I feel comfortable with his sample, and I think he's a guy that should win in UFC moving forward. So, um, yeah. do you like this fight to go the distance too? Um, uh, I, I'd have to see what the number was. I, I probably put it close to a coin flip as I look at it because Estevam, I've got some cardio concerns. I think Johnson has plus power for flyweight, like in a vacuum, he's just fought some tough dudes. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of a coin flip, so I'd have to see what the number came out at. Yeah, over two and a half is minus two twenty-five. Yeah, so I'd probably like the under if I would get a nice juicy number on there. We, you know, flyweight unders had a rough week last week, so maybe like the public off that trend a little bit. Um, Johnson's a guy that I think is going to knock a lot of flyweights out as he gets down in competition. I, some people are higher on Estevam than I am. I, I like when it's one way traffic like that on the contender series, I always, my brain just thinks maybe this guy's fraudulent, you know, maybe yeah. the other guy was just grossly unqualified. So next fight up mm -hmm. on the card here, lightweight battle. We've seen these guys a little bit. We've had a little cup of coffee with both of them. Trey Ogden taking on Nicholas Mota here. Mota coming off a fight where he ran into Eduardo Torres, the buzzsaw from Mexico. Trey Ogden in his last fight had uh, Ignacio Bahamondes was just kind of stuck at distance. It, to me, it looked like he was just trying to survive that whole fight with Bohemondis and did so. Um, three appearances for Ogden in UFC, three for Moda. Um, do you, do you have one of these guys maybe that you favor or value higher than the other? Cause I think that's what a lot of people betting this fight is going to come down to which of these guys you think is just better in a vacuum. Yeah. I, I mean, this is another one. I go dog or pass. I can't take Nicholas Mata as a minus minus one fifty favorite against anybody. Yeah. <laughs> like the Cameron Van Camp win was a joke. Yep. Like Van Camp gets knocked out by everyone. Yep. Um, I just I go dogger pass here, but I haven't spent a ton of time on it either. Yeah, I, I actually like Ogden in this spot too. So I think you and I are aligned on the plus money here. I saw your guy Clint McLean of the Die Hard podcast also likes Ogden. Very durable, 54% yeah. striking defense. He goes the distance with Bahamondes, goes the distance with Jordan Levitt. Um, goes the distance and beats Daniel Zell Huber. So that's a really nice level of competition already at lightweight for Ogden. I think this might be the first time in UFC he actually has an advantage grappling he'll get to use. 11 of his 16 pro wins have come via submission. Just hasn't gotten mm -hmm. to do it in UFC. Bahamondes, sneaky good grappler. Obviously, Jordan Levitt. We'll talk about him later on this card as a good grappler as well as... Um, a good angle there. Zell Huber, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. I'm in love with Ogden's submission prop. Like I told Clint, I, I told Clint personally, I said, hey, you got to put him in the submission special. Clint does a, a parlay of three yeah. submissions every week. I said Ogden is going to be a great number as a dog here. It, it'll probably come in north of three or four to one, and I love that outcome. Yeah. When Nicholas Mata fought Jim Miller, though, Jim Miller didn't take him down once. But, I mean, he just probably liked the matchup on the feet. He knocked him out in yeah. the second round. That's bad if you're getting knocked out on the feet by Jim Miller, bro. <laughs> I'm a Jim Miller fan, bro. I'm, I won't handle that right there. <laughs> I, well, I, I, who else? You don't like Jim Miller? Well, no, I like Jim. I like Jim Miller. I just think Jim is probably at his best when he's working within his grappling. Like I, yeah. Jim does have fast hands. I think he like he put it on that kid Jesse Butler most recently. But like that was dude, that knockout was vicious. 
yeah, the thing about Moda is he is known to be a zero. He he can't grapple at all. He's basically like a white belt. And then I look at his UFC tenure. He's got a negative 1.31 striking success rate. So why is this guy favored here? Like, that's just my yeah. question. Maybe I'm falling for the trap, but I, I've always liked Ogden and, and have been waiting to target his submission skills. So um, yeah, that's that's a fight that I already do have a pretty strong lean on. Yeah. No, I like the dog here. I'm with you. Maybe maybe I'll get Trey Ogden by sub on Maddie's card. But from a fight that I actually kind of like to one that I don't like at all, uh, I am searching for answers in this one for my article over on FanDuel mm-hmm. Research. Um, Aylin Perez coming off that dominant 10 takedown effort against Ashley Evans-Smith. Totally uncompetitive fight. Wasn't even close. Lucy Pudilova probably on the wrong side of a bad decision against Jocelyn Edwards, at least according to public sentiment in her last fight. This is unranked women's bantamweight, which might as well be the wild, wild west. It is hilarious if you like get past like the first 15 names at women's bantamweight, how horrible it gets really quickly. Like you could just flip a coin in a lot of them. Um, Maddie, you want to flip a coin here, especially if we've got minus 180 and plus 140 in one direction. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to do with this fight, bro. <laughs> I I don't, I don't either. I I don't either because like Aylin Perez in her UFC debut gets completely handled and submitted by Stephanie Egger. We both we basically know that Ashley Evans Smith is washed trash, most well known for her OnlyFans at this point, and like Perez dominated her, but. So what? And Pewdie Love is a former flyweight. Most of her career is at flyweight. She's actually never faced a takedown attempt at bantamweight. So like, is she just going to be too small? Is Perez going to be able to bully her just because she's a larger, stronger person? Yeah. Or is Pewdie Lova as the UFC veteran going to show this girl that really doesn't have very many skills? Aylin Perez has only landed 20 distance strikes so far. So like, we don't really have a lot to work with with their striking. I would assume Pewdie Love is the better striker, but I have absolutely no interest in putting hard-earned U.S. dollars on this fight. Yeah, I think Perez is going to ragdoll her, though, with takedowns. Just yeah. be bigger and stronger. That's that's typically what I I see. This this fight actually opened with Pewdie Love offshore as a favorite, and now Perez obviously has gained steam. She actually has gained even more steam as, as I look at the odds on FanDuel Sportsbook and what they're up to now with minus 180. That's kind of my thinking as well. Would I want to lay the money line? Do I feel confident in like a decision or a ground and pound? We haven't seen a submission attempt from Perez. Like, I don't know how to better in this spot. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe underdog uh, or FanDuel or DraftKings was targeting takedowns, things like that. Maybe that's what you end up doing there, you know? Yep. So um, to it to another fight where your guess is pretty much as good as mine. We have some pretty limited samples here. Uh, <laughs> you're shaking your head, and that's the quality of the card we have for the first half here. Jekka Sarigi yeah. coming in. No idea why he's in the red corner after losing the road to UFC finale to Anshul Jubilee, and now he's back. He's going to be at a new weight class at 145. Taking on Lucas Alexander, who at least in his last fight in San Antonio did destroy Steve Peterson. He retired Steve Peterson added to my summing seemingly endless streak of betting on fighters that were on the verge of retirement. And I didn't know it until after the fight was over. So he ended up retiring my guy, Steve Peterson in his last fight, uh, striking analytical analytics looking pretty good. You got, you got anything here? Cause I'm, I'm I don't have a lot. <laughs> I don't have a ton either. I feel bad for the audience, but like, I don't even have the bandwidth right now to, to study all of these fights with everything else I have going on. So I'll, I'll lean on I'll lean on you. I do have some some input on the the second half of this card, but I definitely want to hear your viewpoints on on some of these early fights. 
Dude, I, I really just don't know because like Saragi has a, has fought absolutely horrible competition. The road to UFC promotion is just I mean, it's laced with people that wouldn't even sniff UFC otherwise. Um, like we saw Angel Jubilee win the whole thing, and then how terrible did he look against Mike Breeden in Abu Dhabi last month? So like is Saragi any good at all? We have no we have no idea whatsoever. At least we saw Alexander was a pretty good striker at Featherweight, and I didn't think Peterson was washed coming into that fight. Um, Peterson just had had a pretty close fight with Julian Arosa, who I respect a lot here at Featherweight. So, like, I think at the least we can assume Lucas Alexander is a pretty good striker at this point. Um, obviously submitted in his UFC debut on short notice by Joe Anderson Brito. Brito, we're going to talk about later on this card, and actually one of the good matchups on the card we'll get to, but. Um, I would favor Alexander here for sure. His takedown defense has been fine. I don't know what Saragi does well. I'm concerned about him coming halfway across the globe and cutting to a weight class he's never competed at before. Um, maybe that maybe it, Karma will do me a favor and just take this fight off the card so I don't have to think about it. Because in my world for daily fantasy, at, this is pro over. I bet Maddie, do you have an over total on this? It, it's sketchy, shady sports book because like. I bet over one and a half rounds is going to be the line here just because of how volatile these two are. But like, mm -hmm. I couldn't give you a direction in one sense or another. Um, let me take a look here. Yeah. Over. Oh, wait. Over one and a half is minus 160. Yeah, and, and so it's a one-and-a-half line, so we're expecting some sort of violence. We're expecting some sort of volatility here. Like, Saragi has four pro wins by sub. Alexander has none to three losses, so he's not a good grappler, right? Maybe Saragi yeah. by sub could be, like, a distant prop here. I Kind of the approach I'm thinking in my, in my brain is, like, I'll use Alexander in daily fantasy formats and then just hedge it out with Saragi by sub, which is how I think he loses. But, like... I don't have any sort of tremendous confidence whatsoever in that. <laughs> uh, moving on. <laughs> so we'll move on. Um, I, I don't know if we'll have a ton of answers here with the heavyweights that are one fight into their respective UFC affiliated careers. I guess Parkin is too, um, but not a lot of experience here either. Mick Parkin, training partner of Tom Aspen, also got a little street cred after Tommy ended up emerging last week, but still take on Kyle Machado coming off probably the single worst fight on the contender series this this year, his opponent just all he tried to do was spam takedowns, got none of them. Machado picked apart at distance in a really boring fight. So um, we've got heavyweight, not seemingly a ton of power here. I, I do want to know from you what the total in this fight is looking like, because I think it might be an over, uh, a rare over at heavyweight with how little power these guys have shown thus far. But that's about all I know. Yeah, over under over one and a half is minus 165 here. Okay, um, interesting. Yeah, I like Mick Parkin by decision here. Yeah, I like it. I like him to to win a, a decision in this fight. I mean, he's a big favorite, but I kind of like it to get a distance and him to get the nod. Yeah, I just I I um I think the price is probably off on Parkin, but I could see myself working there because he did have a really nice debut. He not only that, he had a nice appearance on the Contender Series. The the efficiency for him is excellent so far 60 percent striking accuracy 67 percent defense he's landed a couple takedowns in there as well like it's good stuff mm -hmm. and if you're training with tom aspinall the thing i love about aspinall's strategy and his is his camp is based on athleticism i think that translates throughout the entire gym regardless of what parkins parkin might not be good as as good as tom but like 
speed kills at heavyweight, and that that's a very intriguing proposition. Yeah, no, that's yeah, a great I, point. I was, I see the other guy is much slower here, just based on what I saw. But like, I'm not a very technical guy, and I don't really understand MMA technicalities very well. I'm just looking at what I look on paper, and boy, that fight was dreadful to watch with with Kyle Machado on the Contender Series. So, I yeah. like Nick too. But now we got it. We got so we got a fighter or a couple of them that we at least know a little bit here. And I think we might be starting yeah. getting into the good stuff. This is a late notice bout. Uh, thank you to our graphics team for getting this up to date because we just got this fight announced and dropped today. Christian Leroy Duncan is always going to be on this card. He was going to take on Cesar Almeida, actually a former kickboxing veteran and a guy that Alex Pereira has fought in glory before. Unfortunately, Almeida off this card due to an infection. We're going to see UFC vet Dennis Tolulin in on the other side. I imagine this will be a catch weight above middleweight, but a couple of guys we've seen a few times before. Christian Leroy Duncan, really highly thought of guy from England. Tolulin, at least he's got a UFC win under his belt against Jamie Pickett. Do you um, have a specific lean? I'm projecting Duncan will be a pretty comfortable favorite here. Yeah, no, I agree. Here's the thing. I've lost on both of these guys' recent <laughs> fights. Yeah. So, the, all right. So here's the thing: I had Gregory Rodriguez in the last fight by round one submission, and he gets the round one ground and pound. Remember that? Yep. yep I do remember yep. that. So, one too. so that one that was absolutely brutal. And then I had I I I uh, Petrosian beat Duncan in the last fight. Yep. And that that was a good that was a decent fight. Went the distance, um, but no, I don't think. I, I think Duncan wins this fight easily. Yeah, I'm just not very high on Tolulin. He he needed those multiple groin fouls, actually got a point deducted against Jamie Pickett, and he was losing the Pickett fight before kicking Jamie Pickett in the groin and then ended up winning. Pickett looked noticeably compromised. So I don't know if he's got a win without an asterisk yet. Really bad yeah. ground game, like Rodriguez, Jun Young Park, um, there's another uh, Ali Ashkab Krajiv also took him down and and beat him down on the ground. At least that's not Duncan's game. So Tolulin is going to get to stand mm -hmm. here. But like, I think Duncan is a much much better striker. And I say this knowing that the Petrosian fight didn't go well. Um, but Petrosian is an animal. So like, I don't hold that against him very much, as you said. Yeah. No, I am. I haven't seen. He hasn't been knocked out. I don't know in his career. Okay, so back in 2013, yeah, he got knocked out. Well, actually, uh, outside of his last fight in the ground and pound, but everything else has pretty much been submissions in his losses. Yeah, he. I mean, he definitely, he's a striking base, but like 40 percent striking defense, absorbing almost six significant strikes per minute. Dude doesn't move his head off the center line. Um, yeah. Even I can, even I can see that. If you want to put up, um, one someone in chat asked Duncan by knockout or by sub. I'm of the belief that Duncan doesn't really have very much grappling in his toolkit. The reason why is why would you not do that against Armin Petrosian if you had it at your disposal? Like that's the yeah. that's the how-to 101 of how to beat Petrosian and Duncan never even tried. So in a fight that I think he knew he was losing, at least I hope he knew he was losing because it was pretty yeah. it was pretty clear to me at least. But um I, I see this as a striker striker battle. So I imagine Duncan by knockout will be pretty heavily priced when the time comes uh, and we get promised yeah. from I actually would love to see the round one KO with that pace here. Yeah, absolutely. Just because Duncan going to come out aggressive, looking for a statement. He's kind of had a couple of clunkers to start UFC. I totally agree there. 
So yeah. um, I, I'm excited to see CLD in this matchup. I think he finally has like a kind of a highlight spot and, and that's exciting for fun fighters. So yeah, um, I'm going to see what that number is here. I just want to uh, round one KO. Yeah. Or just KO in general. Yeah. I'm having trouble. Uh, it's, it's really not even up anywhere yet because yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> going to be really hard to put a number on that. I imagine Duncan will probably close around a minus 500 favorite somewhere in that vicinity. And then knock right. out, I imagine it'll be north, north of minus 200 as well. So yeah. um, pretty sizable favorite. I think we needed some of those breaks, but uh, here's a, here's a good fight is a fight that I'm actually going to label Austin's fight of the night. When I get to my podcast on Friday here, bantamweight mm. battle between Jose Johnson, Chad and Helliger, a couple of strikers. Um, last time we saw Jose Johnson, he was on short notice against Demond Blackshear. Got swallowed by Blackshear, but he's a guy that I have a lot of respect for, especially where Johnson struggles most. As so a good. Yeah, Blackshear is really, really good. Um, I was so wrong good. in the Bautista fight where I thought he was going to get handled. He was right there with Mario every step of the way. Arguably, I thought he was going to get it done, man. He was. Dude, he's so good. He is. And so like, I don't hold that against Johnson on short notice whatsoever. Other side here, the Canadian Chad and Helliger, kind of a old school throwback slugger here at Bantamweight. Um, a lot of knockdowns in UFC so far, knocked out Jesse Strader. Um, last fight against Alatang Haile did not go his way though. So a couple of Bantamweight strikers we've seen a little bit of before Maddie. Do you have a specific lean? Does that Johnson number surprise you at all? Yeah, I think it's a little wide. Okay. I'm I'm, pro I'm probably dog or pass here. Interesting. I I I feel like it, it might be a little wide as well, but I kind of want to back Johnson in this spot. Like he'll have a big reach advantage. I think that's a big deal when you're at an entry level of striking and like he just mm -hmm. hasn't gotten to do it. On the contender series, he was taken down 12 times by Ronnie Lawrence. He had to fight off Demon Blackshear. Like we haven't seen him really get to be where he's at his best. Um and Helliger, I just really don't like the fact that not only did he lose to Alatang Haile in a in a striking match, he really got out efficiencyed in that fight as far as Alatang Haile had better defense and offensive efficiency. And we saw how Alatang looked against Casey Kenny, how we saw how he looked against Chris Gutierrez. And I know those guys are really good, but like I'm of the belief that Jose Johnson is a really, really good striker. You know, takedown defense is a problem. I think like 33% takedown defense. If, if Johnson's fighting a guy that can wrestle at all, it could be a problem. And you, you know, they said this about O'Malley coming out. You have the big long frame at bantamweight. They're just going to try to grab your legs, take you down and control you. Right. Cause you're just hard to deal with. It's like what Jalen Turner faces at lightweight. I, I think Jose Johnson's in that same mold, but Ann Helliger never even attempted a UFC takedown. So I, I kind of like Jose here at a striking match, dude. Yeah. I'd be scared on that money line, but, I yeah. want to see what the, the KO props are there. Yeah, I'd love for a fat total here where it's expected to go the distance. And then, you know, maybe I look at Johnson inside the distance. And Helliger has been dropped in a couple of fights thus far. Um, not, not, under, not, two, not, under two and a half rounds is minus 105. Okay, so it's about a pick em then to go over two and a half rounds. Pretty close. Yeah, goes fight to go the distance is plus 105. Yeah. Johnson by KO plus 250. Mm-hmm. I just uh I let me let me quickly check here. I don't I can't remember a Jose Johnson like standing knockout. Maybe I'm misremembering regionally. He's only been knocked out once in his oh yeah, yeah. Um it was at distance. Uh Mano Martinez, you remember him with UFC? He fought Ronnie Lawrence, fought 
Draco Rodriguez a couple times ago. So Martinez got him first round knockout on the regional scene. So some chin issues yeah. there, a little, little concerning. I I'd say, I don't, I don't have like extreme confidence in Johnson, but like, I, I think that he's appropriately favored here. So that's like my takeaway. So, um, thank God we've got like a fight that I'm excited to see. And that actually means something with any sort of relevance toward the rankings somewhere here at featherweight. Yeah, Jay this card is as bad as it gets, bro. Yeah, this is totally might be the worst card of all year, truthfully. Yeah, this is total apex filler. And we've had all these injury replacements. We'll get to another here uh, coming up, but like this is the shining gem, I think, among these these crappy prelims that we've gone through here. JSP Jonathan Pierce, four fight winning streak at featherweight, undefeated at featherweight, taking on a guy, Joe Anderson Brito, that like I kind of wrote him off for dead after Bill Algio took a decision. I'm like, it's just Bill Algio, but now Bill Algio is winning a lot. Joe Anderson Brito is winning a lot. Maybe he's pretty good. And by the way, his contender series fight against Diego Lopez, where he won and controlled Lopez the entire fight. Really, really interesting now in hindsight to watch that, given what Diego has become in UFC. So a lot of people very high on both of these guys. Maddie, are you higher on one of them than the other? I'm high on both of them too. That's the thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of torn here, you know, because like I like the knockout win over Andre Feely. But I also like Jonathan Pierce's recent fight, like outstrikes Elkins 110 to 57. You know, beats Christian Rodriguez. Like I, I like both of these guys here. So I'm really torn. I think yeah. I think the numbers, I think Pierce is properly priced as a favorite here. Yeah. Um, I probably lean on him to win a decision here, but I'm a little bit torn here. Yeah, like my biggest problem or concern with Brito, he's faced two takedown attempts in UFC, hasn't defended either of them. What is Jonathan Pierce's strategy in pretty much every fight? He's looking for the takedowns, looking for the the ground and pound, the elbows. Like you, you remember how he drowned Makwan Amir Khani in London last year? That was the Aspinall ACL tear card. Pierce looked like a monster in that fight. Um and like he has been physically too much. A, I was impressed to see his striking against Darren Elkins, where he just lit up and bloodied Elkins last year in Orlando. Like Elkins mm-hmm. is a, Elkins is named the damage because he's willing to, to eat damage. But like Nate Landwehr didn't have him looking that bad. There are a lot of different guys that Pierce ended up doing a lot of striking volume in that. What up, Hey Jive? We got Hey Jive um, in the chat. Hey Jive picks. If you don't follow him on Twitter, love love his analysis and his look look ahead. So. Um, Hey, Jive's a friend of the show here. Um, but like, I, I agree with you. I think JSP's fa- appropriately priced here. I'm a little concerned about Brito's takedown defense and in a fight of this caliber, I think that could be all the difference. Agreed. So, um, good fight there. Interesting fight here. I, I did <laughs> not know the name Mick Tebek or Labai uh, before today's show. I nearly butchered that again because I've been practicing it all day because I knew I'd have to say it tonight. I'll have to say it again on Friday. Um, Orlebi yeah. is stepping in on short notice here in place of Johnny Parsons. I am 0% surprised Johnny Parsons is not making it to the octagon to face Uros Medich because Medich has been a pretty scary guy. Only UFC lost to Jalen Turner at lightweight, bumped up to welterweight, ended up beating Matt Semmelsberger. Thank you, Hage, for the pronunciation. <laughs> Um, I, some of these names, man, some of the stuff, these apex cards throw at me is absolutely ridiculous, but the doctor here undefeated at welterweight, really a lot of good stuff in my model. And now he's got a short notice opponent here. Um, Maddie, what are your, just, what are your thoughts on Medich? Do you like him? Do you think he's a bit overvalued? Like I just, because we don't have a lot on Orlebi, obviously. So like, what are yeah. your thoughts? On I don't him? even know what these odds are yet. Are the odds even up? 
No, this fight was announced just hours ago. So I, I highly yeah. have any legitimate odds here, even offshore. I'm going to check the, the offshore just to be sure. Okay. See if they're fast when <laughs> it just gives us, yeah. you know, the offshore still has Parsons on there at plus 200. <laughs> yeah. And FanDuel is, by the way, FanDuel is still showing Parsons as well. That's how fresh this fight news is. Like, yeah. I was learning a little bit about Orlebi and like, I, I just, it, the thing is, is that I have a very high opinion of Uros and that makes it really hard for me to pick anybody coming in here on short notice when he survives and goes through that fight with Semmelsberg or when um, right. he had that fight against Omar Morales, where he looked like he was on a different stratosphere. Uros Medic plus 3.05 striking success rate, obvious power with a couple of knockouts along the way. I think the biggest thing here is that you worry about the grappling, right? Because he was submitted by Jalen Turner, but 80% takedown defense. It was really just Jalen Turner that was able to crack through there. I, I think Medich is one of the better prospects here at 170. And Orlebi probably was going to get here three straight wins in LFA, last two coming by knockout. But I would really only profile like a super advanced submission threat as having a chance against Medich on short notice. I don't think that's his game. I think he's going to be a step behind in this fight, but like I've been well wrong on these newcomers before. <laughs> yeah. No, I like, I like his win against Semmelsberger. Yep. Um, I think Semmelsberger's a decent, a decent guy. Like he's, you know, the decision loss to Jeremiah Wells did it. Wasn't a great, uh, a great loss there. It was a split decision, but um yeah, I'm Didn't definitely with you. hurt Wells early in that fight, and then Wells just kind of took over with his wrestling late. If I he remember. just took over with wrestling, yeah. just pure strength. Yep, that was a. I can't remember who I had in that fight. I think I had that fight not to go the distance, and I got screwed on it or something. I am so disappointed that I didn't get to lay like minus 250 or whatever the small price was on Medich against Johnny Parsons because Johnny Parsons is fucking terrible. I'm sorry. Excuse mm. my language that I think that's the first F word, but Johnny Parsons deserves it. Like he's he's going hit for hit with Danny Roberts, who is like washed, barely does anything <laughs> offensively. Like I thought Medich was going to light up Parsons in round one. Orlebi seems much more measured. He seems more patient. So um, I, again, just, I got to watch some very, very limited footage within the last hours or so. So yeah. I don't know very much, but I like Medich and uh, I think he's probably in a good spot, but um, sure. we are up onto the main card here. Fifth, the last fight of the night and a couple of ranked straw weights. Actually, I actually don't know who, where Amanda Heapos might be ranked at this point since she split between 115 and 125 for a bit, but we know Amanda, she's been in and around both of those rankings, fighting really tough girls in this division. Luana Pinheiro, kind of an interesting prospect, made her return from injury earlier this year, got a controversial decision win over Michelle Watterson Gomez. I think you were at that card in Miami, weren't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Pinheiro got, got like a tight nod. Watterson can be a tough, weird matchup, but um, he was coming back with decent steam despite getting knocked out by Macy Barber in that really bloody, messy fight back in Jacksonville in May. So, like, uh, do you have a specific lean here? Because I've heard very strong, very smart, sharp voices on both sides of this fight, and I was curious to see where you might have landed. Yeah, I like Amanda. I think that last fight against Macy Barber was just more about, you know, how good Macy Barber yeah. is looking and and how how far she's progressed so i like amanda here but the odds are to me a little wide at the same time yeah i i was able to model this guy it, it's funny that like you and i agree without agreeing sometimes because i've got he at minus 205 so like 
that there's just a constraint within the model of women's straw weight. I, I do you have a total on this guy? I imagine it's a heavy, heavy favorite to go the full distance. Like, um, take a look there yeah, is, over two and a half is minus 200. Yeah. So like most of the time women's straw weight, you're looking at those close decisions. You never know truly what the judges are watching, but I will say, I'm very concerned about each of these ladies for one specific reason. Number one is Amanda Hebas has clearly shown an aversion to power. That was Macy Barber's. Macy Barber just used her physical physical strength and her power to overwhelm Hebas. And you say, well, that was at flyweight. Marina Rodriguez also knocked Hebas out cold at strawweight. So I'm worried about punching power when Pinheiro has a couple of wins by knockout in and around UFC. Um, and I'm also worried about Pinheiro. That result against Waterson Gomez looks really poor on paper. She had a negative 19 striking differential. Like, and you look at her competition before Waterson, Sam Hughes, eh. mm. Ronda Marcos, not really good at all. And, and she actually took the, the DQ, the easy way out on a kick from Marcos in a fight. She was dominating anyway, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, I just don't trust Pinheiro's level of competition, but I am worried about Hebus's chin. I am still debating what I want to do with this guy because I think Amanda's a lot better, but I also think she could get cleaned just because she's shown an aversion to power and Pinero's some, shown some of that. Fight to not go the distance plus 150. Maybe maybe that's the play here because like Amanda is not – I don't think – Amanda hasn't secured a knockout, I'm pretty sure. I think it's only been submissions for her so far in UFC, but like mm-hmm. she has so much more experience than Pinero. And like you look at how Watterson performed, Amanda is a lot better than Michelle Watterson. So even from just that alone, I think Amanda may have the sort of matchup gap advantage to find a finish here. And then obviously her chin issues open the door for Pinheiro. So maybe just playing violence here is, is the way to go. I like it. So, um, to another guy here, uh, Maddie, I, I don't know if you remember Peyton Talbot from the contender series, but I'm so excited to talk about this guy was the biggest mm-hmm. favorite on the card before we got washed in with these, uh, these late notice matchups, Peyton Talbot stud prospect at 25 lands over hundred significant strikes on the contender series. He gets Nick Aguirre here in Aguirre second try. Aguirre came out on like a week's notice, got just blasted by Dan Argueta. So really mm-hmm. unwinnable situation for Nick here. Peyton Talbot, a superstar type of prospect, at least from the contender series. He's one of my most notable additions to the roster this summer. Um, that's a big line on a guy that doesn't have an official UFC fight, but uh, do you have a specific lean in this fight? Yeah, so Peyton to win by knockout is minus 210. Wow. Decision is plus 300, and submission is plus 900. That's crazy, minus 210 to win by knockout. <laughs> Wow, that is crazy, especially when he didn't get one on the contenders. Like, and and nevertheless, he didn't even really have his opponent dropped. And you could say, well, maybe that's uh, that's like a one-time matchup. His opponent had a really good chin, you know. Mm-hmm. I, boy, I don't know. Like, he, I will say, all five of his wins came from knockout by knockout before he got to the contender series. But like, yeah. Aguirre showed some toughness in that fight against Argueta. It's really hard to imagine this one being more lopsided than that one, given how it looked. But um, like, I have a higher prior at this point on Talbot than I do Argueta, who I think is really limited with his striking. If he can't get his takedowns going, he has a really limited skill set. Peyton Talbot showed exceptional takedown defense on the show, 94%. Um, landed 9.67 significant strikes per minute, which is like an elite Sean O'Malley type of mark through one fight. It was one fight against a guy that's never been in UFC, but like 
yeah. I, I feel like this is UFC propping him up. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I want to look at like a round two, three. Yeah, nice. nice little five, nice little, little five minutes sweat in and then damaged by accumulation here. Yeah. And maybe you get plus money on round two, three, but that's crazy. Minus 210. <laughs> yeah. Well, because like, so you think of what the average better is going to do here. Big wide money line, knockout minus 210. Yeah. Oh, this guy is not on a totally different plane than the other guy. He'll just secure a first round knockout. Well, didn't show a lot of power. Maybe it's more of an accumulation thing. I bet those round two, three numbers will be a lot better than the round one. one. So yeah, I'm with um, you. Although I've been getting brutally beat down by the exact round. I haven't been taken. Yeah. I was texting you about that last week. How many fights now? I had Sean Strickland knock out Abu Smagomedov in what rounds three through five. He gets a round yeah. two. Then I take, uh, what was it last week? I have the round, uh, the round two, three, it's round one. Yep. And then Makama Makai of round two, three submission round one. So yep. I've been getting beat down on those props lately. Yeah. I, I just, I, Aguirre wasn't finished in his debut. He's never been professionally finished. Like the idea that this kid at 25 years old is going to come in and just starch him right away when we haven't seen that pattern. I much mm -hmm. rather would ladder round two, three decision and then decision being plus 300, you said, or somewhere around there. Those numbers yeah. usually come in a little better on FanDuel. Like that's the approach that I would take. And by the way, if you like, like, uh, like DFS props, like Talbot, insane pace from the contender series, they're probably not going to post his significant strike prop yeah. high enough because of how, how heavily favored he is by knockout. I, I like overs on those props. I could see him putting up 50 in the first round, significant strikes. Yeah, I agree. So, um, here we on, go. We're finally getting to the meat of the card, dude. I, like, and <laughs> I'm excited about this fight. This is the people's main event right here. <laughs> I, I think so too. Did you see the fight poster that Chase Hooper photoshopped of just him with? No, did it? Is it on his Instagram? Before? Yeah, it's uh, Twitter. Oh, hold on, I got you. But, um, hilarious Photoshop on this. It is the people's main event with a couple of memes at lightweight. Chase Hooper, of course, made headlines as a 19 year old winning back back in 2019 now he's 24 and up in weight a, di a different weight class jordan levitt always was kind of odd to me after yeah they jordan levitt twerking and then chase hooper just standing there with the <laughs> thumbs up pose i i love it but um like chase hooper coming in now 24 in a different weight class coming off a butt kicking of nick fiore jordan levitt just got his first career knockout against victor martinez we've seen him plus 1700 baby we did hit you it hit that? did you I hit, hit that? that wow jordan levitt by knockout just knockout not even round one yeah knockout plus 1700 well, that was one of my favorite hits i've had bigger hits right i had the yeah. prayer around five Shot plus three thousand yeah, yeah, the Paul Craig, which is another one we'll talk about here shortly, yeah. plus thirty, plus thirty eight hundred. But the Chase, I'm sorry, the Jordan Levitt plus seventeen hundred one was one of my favorite wins of all time. I don't know why, I just love that win. He he says after the fight, he says I've never rocked anyone before in an octagon, but Maddie just knew, yeah. and and that's kind of I think you were probably doing what we do system wise. You took a sub guy by KO because ground and pound is equally accessible in a dominant matchup. Um, not projected for a dominant matchup here. He's a plus 180 underdog. Do you how do you feel about this line when you see it? Because, like, I know some people that like Hooper is the favorite here pretty considerably. I also know yeah. some people on the dog. I worry about him fading in this fight. Yeah. I like the gas tank and the workload of Chase Hooper. Um, I do think Levitt is live early, but like I think this is also a tough matchup for him. Like we saw what happens when he fought Patty. Yep. 
Um, and honestly, like Chase Hooper, his striking's come a long way. You know, he's got the reach advantage here. I think he's got the better gas tank. He's got more volume, and I don't see him getting submitted. So I'm like, as much as I want to run it back with with Jordan Levitt, I'm just confused. I don't of how I would even do it here. Yeah, um, the gas you know, tank I just, is concerned. Gas tank is. I mean, a Chase real- Hooper with the one knockout. The one time he got knocked out. I mean, Steve Garcia can crack. You know, it was a featherweight crack. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. I don't, I just don't know if all is right with Chase Hooper just because he goes in and he dominates and by the way, doesn't finish Nick Fiore. Yeah. Fiore, a uh, one dimensional grappler. He, uh, very padded record. We, we, I, I at least talked about that on my podcast that he fought Jay Ellis twice. The guy in new England with over a hundred pro losses, you know, like he had padded mm-hmm. his record Fiore. He looked every bit as fraudulent as you might've expected in that fight. And like, just two fights ago, Chase Hooper did get cracked three times and bloodied by Steve Garcia at featherweight. Yeah, that's true. Le- Levitt, not a lot of power though, right? Like he said, I hadn't cracked anyone. He used his knees. Well, I kind of the fight that has me concerned about Hooper in this spot. It was a little bit ago, but it was when Steve Peterson just kind of took him down and bullied him at 145. You remember that fight when he fought Peterson? Yeah. Second Ocho reference on the show today, by the way. But like. I'm worried that Levitt's size and strength, at least as long as his gas tank is intact, is going to be a problem for Hooper because, like, Levitt was in control against Claudio Poyas early, and then the gas tank expired, ended up losing that fight. Um, yeah. I have no idea how good Patty. That's is. That's my biggest concern with him is just the gas tank. Yeah. Here's what I'll say. You ready for this? Yeah. Chase Hooper beats Peter Barrett by by submission. His next yeah. fight, he loses to Steven Peterson. Yep. Then he goes out and he wins by knockout. His next fight, he loses to Steve Garcia. And then he goes out and wins and looks great again. And now, could he lose again? He wins, he loses. He wins, he loses. Some guys all wins. It's like every other fight, and everyone's now high on him. And then he loses again. And I'm with you. I think Levitt's going to have the strength and size advantage here. Um, and I kind of want to run it back with him. Because yeah. the knockout again, I know it's crazy, but like, do you see Chase Hooper really getting submitted? He's got um, really good defensive grappling yeah. off his back too. I know? honestly, so like, dude, I think I would if I was going to bet uh, an, an outcome here. I think I'd look at Levitt by decision, by even decision, with gas, yep. even with the gas tank worries, because I think he could bank yeah. the first with his strength. But like the biggest thing that I'm looking at with Hooper is that he his UFC wins, four of them have come against guys that are three and nine against everyone else. He's beating up on cans like Peter Barrett, like um, Nick Fiore, like. There are so many can't Daniel Tamor was another one. And it's like, you don't know who yeah. these people are because they're just not good fighters. Jordan Levitt goes the distance with Claudio Poyas. Like we know Patty, the baddie is at least has a little bit of skill. Like a little bit of these guys, competition is fraudulent on both sides. Early in his career, I was not a Levitt guy because I thought he was just kind of this weird, doesn't look to score per minute, just kind of a finish equity type of guy. I was really encouraged by that last performance because against a guy that was dangerous in Victor Martinez, he took that fight right to him. And by the way, he looks to be in much better shape than when he joined UFC years ago. Yeah, no, it's a good point. And I'm, I'm a Jordan Levitt guy. I know people don't like him, but I mean, it's hard for me not to be a Jordan Levitt guy when he paid me plus 1700, but right now Levitt by knockout plus 1100 Levitt by decision plus 400 by submission plus 550. Chase Hooper by decision, the most likely outcome in the fight at plus 165. Mm-hmm. Hooper by knockout, plus 350, and by submission, plus 400. Yeah, I don't think either guy's getting submitted. 
I really don't. I think it either goes the distance or someone gets knocked out. Yeah. Um, by, by the way, Jordan Levitt had a hilarious Instagram post where he acknowledged how distant of an underdog he was. And let's just say he thinks that is total garbage. Like, and really? you see these guys acknowledge the betting line all the time. And they say, I should not be an underdog in this fight. There's obvious paths for Levitt here. The, my concern, Levitt historically lands 60% of his significant strikes. Very accurate. Hooper's 36% striking defense. Oh, wow. I'm looking at the post right now. Yeah. There's a word good, I can't say. Good. Uh, yeah. There's good a word catch, I can't say. Bro. Um, yeah. but like, I, I think Levitt believes that he has a lot of comfort in this matchup because Hooper has shown very little <laughs> against like UFC winning competition. He's, this would be the first time in Chase Hooper's UFC career where he beat a bona fide UFC roster member. Levitt's four and two in UFC. He's a good fighter. That would be the first in Chase Hooper's career. I don't think he should be minus 235 to do that. That's just my opinion. Bro. <laughs> You know, it's, I won't even say it, but what do you? <laughs> I'll just think it, dude. I want to run. I want to run Jordan Levitt back so bad. You have no idea. I think, I think Fanduel is going to have that knockout around. My Same. guess is plus fourteen hundred. Wow, it's eleven hundred on an offshore. Oh, okay, okay. So it's going to be higher on Fanduel. Maybe, and like, and like. At least at first, we could we saw it cracked and Victor Martinez. We saw Chase Hooper get cracked. I know it's yeah. Steve Garcia, but That'd I feel like fun. I have to. I feel like I gotta throw a quarter unit on it, even yeah. if I do it personally and I don't put it on my card. Yeah, I feel like I have to do it. I like, just you even said it. Maybe he comes out and he just ragdolls him. He's just a stronger guy, and then those ground and pound. Like we've seen some crazy shit from Jordan Levitt, bro. Yeah, I I also I think love the fact good. that he came out and made that post on Instagram. Yeah, they uh, typically when fighters acknowledge that they're being doubted, it's good fuel for the fire, if you will. I I just think Hooper's overvalued here, dude. Wait, like I don't know if you heard me when you were looking, but like I just it, it sounds like a terrible idea to bet Hooper at minus two thirty five until we see him beat like a legitimately good guy. That's my thought. Yeah. So, um. So with you. let's right. move on. Co-main event time fight this week. Co-main event time here. Very this intrigued on your thoughts on this one because I am so split because my model has a terrifying result here and I just want to see where you're at because it can help me check because like Michael Morales is only 23 years old. He is one of the top prospects in all of UFC. People love this kid. First round mm -hmm. knockout of Trevin Giles um, in his last fight destroys Max Griffin. So he's already got a couple of pretty well-known names under his belt. Jake Matthews would be a third here. The seesaw with Jake Matthews continues. Looks looks amazing against Andre Fialio, who we kind come kind of come to find out makes a lot of guys look amazing. Ends up getting yeah. dropped three times by Semmelsberger. Looks amazing earlier this year in July, but he got but that was against Darius Flowers, who's a guy that just barely was making his UFC debut. Not really a UFC caliber guy. So the Matthews seesaw now gets another prospect here. He's turned away some before. Like, what are you thinking on this fight? Because I could truly hear out arguments from both sides i think i think this is a terrible matchup for jake matthews interesting like this guy's younger has a better reach advantage 91 percent takedown defense outstruck all his ufc opponents by 15 or more mm -hmm. athletic explosive i liked like i had him in the last fight by ko and i was disappointed with the result yeah um but he could have scored that ko multiple times the thing i hate about him is he's not looking for it he really doesn't look for that finish True. in his fights. He's content with standing there and striking and winning by points. Mm -hmm. um, so like that's the one challenge I have. But if a guy like Jake Matthews could come forward and get caught, though, 
a lot of times like it takes the right dance partner for him to get a knockout. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm wondering if that's Jake Matthews. I mean, what do you think about his striking defense? Matthews? Yeah. It's excellent. It's uh it's actually 85th percentile in the division, 60%. Okay. Yes, I'm 60% striking defense. But, but I say but that. How do you feel about his chin, though? He was chinned three times by Matt Semmelsberger. So now that reopens yeah. the conversation of like, your striking defense can be great, but if you can't take the punches that land, then it kind of negates the argument, right? Right. Yeah. Like, so I'll tell, I'll tell you, and like, this is, I don't feel like I have a good enough sample on Michael Morales to confidently model, but he does technically have the 45 minutes of octagon time that I require. Um, I, interestingly enough, I've got Matthews positioned as a minus one Oh five under our uh, favorite in this fight. And I, it, this is no vig. So Morales would be plus one Oh five on the other side. You can put that in. Really? Yeah. And the reason why mostly level of competition, Matthews has been around more fought level of competition, by the way, some of Matthews fights that are actually really high level. He had a really dominant performance over the leech Jing Liang. That's not even mm. in my model. Um, cause it was too long ago. So, like, yeah. Matthews was chinned a bunch by Semmelsberger. He was submitted by um, Sean Brady, who's another guy that I know you and I both really like. Third round, though. He survived. For yeah, round. but then he's won his other five fights in the last seven. So, like, Matthews is quietly on a run. He's kind of on this coaster where he ends up getting a guy that's inexperienced, has holes in his game. He's able to just, just check it out, right? And then, and then he'll face a guy that is a legitimate prospect, like a Brady, like a Semmelsberger, ends up not yeah. going very well. I just don't know how I feel about Morales at this point because 48% striking defense, lower than you'd hope for. Um, not, a, not a ton of takedown volume, like you said, not a ton of aggression and urgency thus far. The one thing I feel really confident in Morales at this point, I think he can defend takedowns pretty well. 91% sure. takedown defense, Max Griffin, Trevin Giles, they weren't able to get him on the ground. So like, I typically like Matthews more like I got him in the last matchup where I feel like he can have wrestling success. He's at a six inch reach to disadvantage, but like I see the striking defense. I see the gap in competition. Like I find it very curious that my model, by the way, mostly all exclusively winning by decision for Matthews. But like if Morales has holes in his game, Matthews is the type of veteran that could find them. Yep. I just liked what I saw from Morales. Like outside of the fact yeah. that he didn't go for that finish in his last fight, you could see the talent and how good this guy is. Like Agreed. he's well-rounded. Um, I I like him to win a decision here. Um, I, I I like the fact that Jake Matthews has that sixty percent striking defense. So you know maybe maybe Morales isn't able to get him out of there. But yeah, I got I like him in this fight. I agree that minus two sixty five is a little steep just based off of the the experience. Uh, and who these guys have fought, but I want to see right now what this number is on a decision prop, or even just the fight to go the distance. Yeah. Isn't it kind of wild that Matthews is only 29? Like, I think he's been around. He, he, he's he been should around be like long. 35, yeah. Yeah, yeah, if for how long he's been around, but he joined so, so young in, in UFC. But, like, it, I think he's starting to put more of these skills together uh, with dominant efforts. You ready for this one? Jake Matthews got? by decision, plus 475. That's a good uh Stuart asked in chat, what would you need on a decision prop for Matthews? My number in my head. Let me see. Let me I why am I doing this in my head? And I literally have a model that tells me what I should be doing. Yeah. Um under plus uh, plus, so I got I got Matthews by decision at plus two thirty. Yeah. So like Morales by decision is plus two fifty. The fight to go the distance is plus one fifty. 
What's Morales, Morales by KO? Plus one thirty-five. That's terrible. Um. Yeah, it is. I've got that at plus two eighty-five. So I'm not. I'm not showing any value there. Like that is his most likely outcome in my model. But like, yeah, that's really really short. It's but it's because he's a heavy favorite. But like, I kind of like the over if odds makers are leaking those type of props to us. I I think Matthew over one and a half is minus one eighty-five too. Yeah. Can Can I ask you one more question? By the way. Yeah. Is this even a st- if do you think Max Griffin or Jake Matthews is a better all around MMA fighter? Max Griffin or Matthews? I don't even know if this is a step up for him. I'm not sure. I'm really not. Yeah, it is tough. I think I think they're pretty close. Truthfully. Yeah. That's a good point. Like I, I look at Griffin. Griffin actually probably should have won the decision against Neil Magny, but Neil Magny's looked extra washed in recent appearances. So like, yeah. I don't know how much to take from that. Um, yeah, that's a really tough. That's a tough question. I, I think that I would be close to a pick them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like different types of dudes, but like, I feel like this is the type of spot that sneaks up. But we were all in on Andre Fialio, and then Jake Matthews comes in as a pretty distant underdog and absolutely yeah. the floor. Like, I feel like this is the spot where Matthews. But now that him. loss, that win, hasn't aged that well. That's the problem I have with it. Is like. Fialio is getting knocked out by everyone. So as much as that outcome surprised us, then it has it over time. And then the Samuelsberger loss, like Samuelsberger is my guy. Like he's decent, but I don't know, man. It always makes you wonder, like, did he have a bad weight cut? Was his chin extra compromised? Cause he really hasn't shown those chin issues a lot. Otherwise, you know, it's like, yeah. it's these things that make you wonder. And it's all these things you have to take in. Like, I don't, I don't agree with my model. I would not favor Matthews here. But I do have my questions about Morales, where I think some people are locking him in as like an ironclad, no question favorite. And I think there yeah. should be questions. That's fair. So um, main event time, Maddie. And I know you and I were excited. By the way, I'm just excited for Paul Craig that he gets this opportunity to be in a main event because mm-hmm. he's been doing this for a long time on prelims, on pay-per-views. Hasn't really gotten this spot to shine. His middleweight debut couldn't have gone much better. Got that second round, catched your ticket against Andre Muniz for a second round KO. And he's a sub guy ends up finishing Muniz. Who was a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu thought it'd be hard to sub him. And it was, but a lot of people love Brendan Allen in this spot. And I can't blame it. Brendan Allen kind of on this meteoric rise, got the club and sub of Bruno Silva earlier this year. Um, got the submission of Muniz as well. Like Allen only 27 kind of coming into his own. I like his win against Aaron Jeffrey too. Like these are both guys I've generally had an arrow up on. So it was kind of tough to preview this fight. But like when you look at the betting odds, when you look at this matchup, like what are some of your initial thoughts and how do you feel about it? Yeah, man, I'm so torn on this one. Cause Brendan Allen's South Florida guy. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I think he's really, I think he's really come a long way on the feet. Mm-hmm. He's about as well-rounded as it gets at this point yep. in his career. Paul Craig's though, as a giant though, right? Yeah. Coming down to 185. We saw, the reason I took him by knockout in his last fight is like he could just ragdoll him. Um, mm-hmm. and I love him too. You know, jujitsu guys are fighting each other because I like the knockout prop. Um, this is five rounds. Yeah. Like, is there any chance this fight could even go the distance? I mean, what is that price that <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say no after Almeida Lewis went the distance. I refuse yeah. to yeah. Uh, I've actually, I've got the, for an actual mathematical answer, I've got the fight at 31.4% to go the distance. That's a lot higher than I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, the fight to go the distance is plus 500. So that's positive EV. Yep. That would be positive EV at that number. 
No, the fight not to go the distance minus eight hundred. Yeah, I've got so it close Brent, to like plus two twenty five to, to so the most to likely outcome is Brendan Allen by knock Brendan Allen by knockout plus one twenty five. Okay. Uh Paul Craig by decision is plus a thousand. Paul Craig by knockout plus nine hundred. Paul Craig by submission plus five hundred. Brendan okay. Allen by submission plus two twenty five. I think if you take Brendan Allen here, I think you just believe he's gonna knock him out on the feet. He's gonna find Agreed. the chin. Agreed. Um but if you look at Paul Craig, man. Like the guys he's been knocked out by are monsters, bro. Johnny Walker, right? Yeah, he went the distance with Vulcan Uzdemir, who you know has some power in his hands. Mm-hmm. Um, Alonzo Menefield, a monster, big power, yeah, you know, Khalil Roundtree, a monster, Tyson Pedro, a big dude. So, like, it's tough, man, because Brendan Allen. I mean, he did look damn good on the feet in his last fight against Bruno yeah. Silva. I was on the wrong side on that one. So is I'm really torn on this. I'll tell you one thing. I can't take a minus 400 favorite here in this fight. I think if I play Brendan Allen, I'm going to play him by the not, by knockout, mm. get some plus money there. Yeah. I think if I pull, play Paul Craig, like I, part of me wants to bet both these guys by knockout and get the plus money on each of them. Sure, sure. Um, but honestly, I need to spend more time in this fight tonight. I think my – or this week. My bias on Paul on Paul Craig, I just this this card's weird because I cashed Paul Craig round two knockout plus thirty eight hundred. I cashed Jordan Levitt by knockout plus seventeen hundred, and now I'm looking at both of these guys, and I feel like they're tough matchups for these guys. But I want to I want to run it back with both of them so badly, so I'm so torn on this fight. Um, but I'll tell you one thing: where I won't be betting is on a minus four hundred favorite against Paul Craig in this weight class. I can't do it. So no. I'll either be on Brendan Allen by knockout or Paul Craig probably inside the distance. This is very similar to the number that Jamal Hill didn't cash against Paul Craig. If you remember that fight when he pulled guard, dislocated his elbow, all that stuff like that. Yeah. Jamal Hill was about this much against Craig. I uh, I think some interesting anecdotes in this fight is that like um, you want to put up the comment we got. Brendan Allen striking way better than Muniz. Muniz outstruck Brendan Allen when they fought at distance plus three striking differential. Allen was actually getting getting – he was getting tagged yeah they were both yeah. having success on the field it was it was surprisingly allen's takedown and submission game that ended up winning that third round that was that weird main event that became the main event because we had an injury or a illness cancellation but like yeah i i think that allen here is priced as a prohibitive favorite we we saw how he looked against bruno silva who's very open to getting cracked like that and um obvious submission shortcomings like i loved allen in that fight i thought it was a marquee matchup for him this one, I'm not so sure. And the fight that has me kind of leaning that way is if you remember when Brendan Allen fought Jacob Malkoon, Malkoon mm-hmm. took him down seven times. Uh, let me let me check real quick what the actual control number yeah. was. So, uh, he spent seven minutes, uh, nine seconds of that fight in control. Malkoon did it. I thought it was a bad decision that Allen got the win against Malkoon. And we don't have a lot of data on middleweight Paul Craig, but this guy should be able to wrestle at middleweight. He certainly was against me. I think so too, man. Yeah. And like, um, that's what my model, my model is giving Craig a 68.9% chance to win the wrestling exchanges in this fight. 
So like, and that's I what know I your see. model did that. I like that. Yeah. yeah so it, basically what it does is here it's, here are it's inputs. Uh, so I have a striking index, a wrestling index, a grappling index, which would be submission danger and things of that nature, level of competition, and then knockdown and then knockdown frequency. Um, I also mm -hmm. have a recent form adjustment in this. So like if a guy's on a winning streak or a losing streak as well as age. Um, so like, those are the inputs of my model. And like, it's liking Craig grappling about 50, 50, which to me sounds fair. I think both these guys are great on sure. the round. Uh, I don't think Craig's going to be able to like pull guard and trick Brendan Allen into something no. like he did Jamal Hill. Um, but like the question is if Allen can stay on his feet because 55% take down defense. Like I think we're kind of conveniently ignoring that Malcoon fight when Allen in his last fight wasn't tested that way. Muniz never shot a takedown because he was actually having success on the feet. And then Jotko didn't shoot one in the quick fight before that as well. So like Allen's mm -hmm. wrestling defense hasn't been tested since that last fight. And like the other note I want to make here. I have a, a score out of 100 for level of competition recently. Paul Craig's is 90. He fought Ustamir. He fought Jamal Hill. Like, these guys yep. are coming back as ranked championship contenders in the model. If Brendan Allen just at 55. His competition hasn't been quite as good. Jotko, fine, but not, like, elite. I don't have a very high prior on Bruno Silva. So, like, I think Allen's age and, like, the theory that he is more well-rounded here is responsible for the number. But I've actually got Paul Craig at the exact same number. I've got Jake Matthews, minus 105. I've got him favored. Oh, my God. Yeah, Dude. it was just kind of weird. <laughs> but I understand where it's coming from. Like, I understand my inputs well enough to know why it believes that. And um, yeah. the, the question is, do you think middleweight or light heavyweight is a stronger division as far as like fighters are concerned, because like Craig fought Nikita Krilov and like these guys that like, I feel like middleweight in general is more skilled, but I, I don't, I don't know. I, it's pretty, it's close. tough. Uh, it is yeah. close. Um, I mean, you look, you look at who they fought. Like if you, if you compare who they fought and you look at the, recently, like Andre Muniz, they both fought Andre Muniz. Mm -hmm. Paul Craig got him out of there in the second round and the nine went to the third round, you know? So take what you want out of that. But, I think this these odds are wide for sure. I think yeah. that and look, Paul Craig, just like Brandon Allen's improved on the feet, Paul Craig a hundred percent has improved on the feet. Yeah, he's got some unpredictable, unorthodox stuff. He's got the kicks. Uh like he's a big scary man, bro. Like <laughs> I'm so torn on this one. I really am. I want to run back to Bear Dew by knockout so he, badly. He let me let me ask you this because this would be my yeah. official prop recommendation for you. What is Paul Craig by decision pay? I've got oh, it. I was going to say three, that. I've got it at plus three thirty, and I guarantee it'll be positive EB compared to that number. Oh, of course, it's over ten to one. And it's just curious to me. I don't think he can sub him. I think Allen has shown a good chin historically, especially in like bad at disadvantageous positions. He had a very very close fight shortly after the COVID break against Kyle Dawkins. So like. That was so mm -hmm. long ago. It's like he's improved so much. So how much do you want to take into it? But like, um, I, 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 I think that this fight could be way closer than these betting odds reflect. Yeah, I'm pretty torn. I got to spend some serious time on this this fight. Anyone that's watching the show right now or later, yeah. I have not given out a single official pick on this show. It's all leans, mm -hmm. all talking about what we like and don't like. But I spend the majority of my time from. The, the amount of education Austin provides to all of us on the show helps me a lot. I literally go back and rewatch my own show, uh, just listening to what Austin's saying, and then also watching footage, watching line movement. I don't solidify my full card till Friday, um, unless I put, unless I bet and lock in some 
some early picks. And so, usually then it's weeks in advance. Like, for example, I took Pereira minus 110 two months in advance from his fight last night. And I didn't even get the closing line value I thought I would. I thought that fight was going to hit minus 150, but it hit like mm -hmm. minus 120. I think it went higher than minus 120 and came back down. Um, but point being is everything you hear on this show tonight, none of it's official picks for me. I, I spend the rest of the week locking in picks here. And this is another fight that I want to spend more time on. Um, and I also want to try to remove my biases. But everything Austin said to me tonight makes me lean the Paul Craig side just based on the number. Yep. Um, and it, it is a tough fight. And that Jordan Levitt, same thing, same mm -hmm. exact thing. I kind of went into tonight thinking like, hey, maybe I'm biased. That's the thing is when I have my biases, I tend to go the other way because I'm like, I cashed on this guy. I'm just taking him because of that. And then when I talk to you tonight on the show, you're like, hey, Jordan Levitt, maybe he's a stronger guy. Maybe he can have success early. And I agree with that. So I'm looking at Levitt and Craig as two live dogs on here and you know, figuring out, do I want to lock them in on the money line? Do I want to take their, their exact outcome? Or do I don't even want to not take them? And I think I have to spend the next few days on that, but you've provided a ton of good insight tonight. So I appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah. So I was only able to model four out of 14 fights and it likes all of the underdogs. As far as the value side, what could possibly go wrong there? <laughs> like, you know, it's like these guys are favored for a reason. The only thing I would say to you, Maddie, and anyone out there is like, you're trying to check your bias and say, I don't want to be too high on this guy just because he cashed his ticket. Well, if you've got Levitt coming back at plus 200, Craig at plus 285, like the market is still not valuing these guys very highly. It's very hard for someone True. to be that distant in an underdog and be overvalued. Cause when you're talking about implied percentage of probability, there's actually very little between like plus 300 and plus 700, that percentage of implied probability changes actually a really small amount compared to when you're closer to even money. So yeah. like, um, even if your pennies off, like it's just about valuing a side, like Jake Matthews right. could be plus 150. He could be plus 200. He could be plus 250. If my model thinks this fight is closer to a coin flip, I should I'm probably leading at least away from Morales at minus 265, if nothing else, you know? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And, and like it, you know, this is like um I, I did want to I did want to talk to you. Like, if you had a survivor pick on this card, who would you go with? Because Peyton Talbot's <laughs> the biggest favorite right now. We've got a couple of injury replacements, but like I that's why I think if you can get one of your sponsors to drum up like a, a software or interface where we could do a survivor UFC pool, I think it would be a lot of fun. A lot of people like me would have been ruined by Nicholas Dalby a couple of weeks ago. I would have been out of my survivor pool taking yeah. in that fight. And like I think that would be a lot of fun as like a, a way to approach it with UFC with some of these heavy favorites. I think I would still take Peyton Talbot. Oh, I would too, or Christian, or CLD maybe. Oh, yeah, CLD is a good one. Um, yeah. I imagine they'll probably close. Just because in Survivor, there's strategy. You don't want to be on the same the same pick as everyone else in the league. Right. But it's more than just saying, like, who's the guaranteed person I don't think is going to lose. It's yeah. There's more to it than that. Yeah. Here, but, so in this main event, one more question for you. So yeah. if Brendan Allen didn't fight Bruno Silva, what do you think this line is? Like if his last fight was that Andre Muniz fight, and and Craig and Craig beat Muniz as well. Yeah, if they're both coming off the Muniz fight, because I really believe that Allen is overvalued because of that Bruno Silva fight. Yeah, I Allen minus one seventy five maybe. Wow, because he's still he's still younger. He no no, I still think he'd be favored yeah. for sure. I'm just yeah. that's drastic. I mean, that's you know his odds have doubled. You know, he's twice as expensive, more than twice yeah. as expensive. Um, 
I mean, and and Craig and Paul Craig's not going to get into an all out like war. Like he's going to be more strategic than that. Bruno Silva was like, fuck it. Like let's, and wow. both of these guys were getting touched in that exchange. But I, I, I'm, I'm about to say something that's going to blow your mind. If this was just like a slug fest from the opening bell, I would feel great about having Paul Craig. Yeah. I think he's really? the with more power in this spot. Yeah. Interesting. That's how that's how like split we are like a, for this main event. So like crafting a parlay here is going to be impossible, but we're going to try to do it still. Um, we we've been on a skid with our parlays. Unfortunately, we picked the wrong dog. We had Matt Favola last week. Favola, by the way, looked really solid for the first bit of that fight. I know was- I got a lot of heat on Twitter. Everyone said I was watching a different fight. I thought he looked solid until he didn't. I mean that that head kick, like the man just got caught. Like he was he looked physically strong in there. Mm-hmm. Like he looked. Decent on the feet, like I don't know. I mean, BSD is really good. I knew the, the danger of, of betting against it, and I got hammered on that fight. I lost over three units on that fight because I had over one and a half. Right. I had uh, I had Provola money line and Provola by decision, uh, but I ended up doing really well on the card because of the the fights a little bit before and after that yeah. fight. Uh, but that was the fight I definitely took a haircut on. Um, but yeah, I, I thought he looked good until he did it. Yeah, I mean, that head kick was perfectly played. Like, that's one of those things. Like, remember when Kevin Lee knocked out Gregor Gillespie and he just went limp against the fence? This was Halloween a couple of years ago. Like, when you cash a ticket like that, it's kind of hard to victory lap because it's like this one emphatic moment that honestly does take a little bit of luck. Like, yes, there is a skill element in some ways, but like St. Denis was in a pretty close competitive fight up for the three or four minutes up to that point, And then just a phenomenal, like Maddie, you were well on your way to a fight that looked like over one and a half wrestling exchanges. Like, yeah, th- that's the thing about these guys like St. Denis. Is yeah. I loved when that fight hit the ground. Cause I was like, I don't think either of these guys are going to get subbed down yeah. there. And it was pretty competitive, but like, you know, those head kicks happen and that's why we, we shoot for 60%. We shoot for the aggregate because those things are going to happen. Like I really yeah. like, I really like some of the favorites on this card, but like they can, they can get chinned. They can get knocked yeah. out in the first round, you know, but, um, All right, why don't we throw leg one? Yep. How do you feel about park and money line? <laughs> um, <laughs> I've got Kyle Machado highlighted as potential value. So not, I, not, okay, ideal, uh, not uh, we'll throw I just don't then. think there's value in that leg. What is Trey Ogden money line? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Plus one hundred eight. My favorite underdog on the card. Yes. All yeah. right, so we're throwing him in as a dog. Yeah. So then let's get like a little conservative here with some other favorites. Do you? Uh, we have some totals, right? Yeah. What about? Um, what about? Uh, per, do you have a Perez Futilova total? I know that's like the stupidest thing in the world, and we're not going to do that. We're not going to. We're not going to fuck around with the the early prelims, you know. I, I <laughs> like I like Ogden because we've got a little data there. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm looking at the rest of this board, dude, and I I don't I don't yeah, feel this amazing. Will be a smaller. This will be a smaller lay for sure. L- like like maybe we go Morales Matthews over, or starts round three or something like that. That one scares me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, scares all of these scare me. Like I don't I don't um, gosh. I, I'd be okay to throw Lucas Alexander in there. I'd be very surprised if Jekka Sergi ended up winning um, just because I, it, when you lose in embarrassing fashion to a guy as bad as Angel Jubilee, I don't know what a weight class shift is going to do for you, but like, yeah. Okay. So 
at minus five ten. I'll throw that in there. We'd we'd um, love. I, I would love to throw CLD by KO in there. I don't think we've got the odds available right now. We may have to delay this until we can get something like that. Yeah. Uh, let's just do it for the show. We can always we'll always put something out later. Yeah. Just come Dun- up, like, Duncan by KO later. would be great because um, it's probably going to come in around like minus two fifty, minus three hundred, something like that. That would be a great yeah. link to put in this. Um. Yeah. I mean, what do you think about Charles Johnson? I yeah, I I feel better total there than I do him winning outright because he seems to get hosed over two and a half. Yeah, what's it? What's it looking at? What's the minus two twenty five? I'm down to throw that in. Yeah, I, I I'm good with the over there. All right, so we got three legs right now. By the way, with Estevam dominating every second of his debut, and now the over two and a half at minus two twenty five, odds makers are telling you something there. I, the longer that fight goes, the more I would love Charles Johnson to win it. Yeah. I'd love Medich by KO too, but we don't have uh, we don't have props yet. I I don't know though. Oral by he at least seems pretty durable and technical. Like I don't think he's like a go in get finished right away type of guy. I would have loved Medich against Parsons, dude. I I would have made you throw that in. Um, but um, I mean we go under two and a half in the and Jordan Levitt chasing. Nah, can't do. Because I, I there I think there's decision equity there. Maybe Pierce yeah. Brito over, dude. Pierce Brito over. What do you think about over under one and a half in the Paul Craig fight? Because it'd be nice to throw the main event in the parlay. Well, my model certainly likes over one and a half. If I've got it, I've got it like plus two twenty five to go the whole distance. So I like it. Can't... I'm down to go. I'm down to go over one and a half. There, it's yeah. at minus one fifteen, and I think there's going to be some wrestling exchanges where neither guys finished early. So let's do that as the last leg. Yeah. I, I I trust Paul Craig's chin wholly. Like that the Johnny Walker thing was a total fluke. Like the last time we saw Paul Craig flatlined was like Alonzo Menafield back before COVID. So I feel good yeah. about Craig's chin, and I don't think Craig submits Allen in the first round or anything like that. So I like over one and a half there. Okay, Did we, so- over one and a half cashed in the Alex Yuri fight last week, didn't it? Yeah, the, uh, but the under so on DFS the over under was nine minutes, and then it got bumped to nine and a half. Really? And if you got yeah, if you had it at over nine minutes, you won. If you had it at over nine and a half, you lost. It was a sick beat. Wow! It, it, see, it was a sick beat. How good these guys and I want to laud some of my coworkers at Fanduel of whom I don't know their names because we, as an employee of Fanduel. I'm not really allowed back there where they make the odds, obviously, because that's where some shady stuff should could go down. I yeah. don't know who they are, but these guys continuously get these lines so efficient like that to a point where you're moving at nine, nine and a half and you get hooked, you know. What do we 100%. what do we have here? Alexander right. got a hundred hour parlay here, pays you five seventy one net profit. Okay. Ogden. Ogden money line is a dog okay. plus one oh eight. Alexander money line minus five ten. Got over two and a half rounds in the Johnson fight. And then Paul Craig and Brendan Allen, a little seven and a half minute sweat in the main event to finish off the card over one and a half. This is the one that hits. Watch it be we sweat, like we gotta we sweat it early, but it's gonna it's gonna coast after that. We have that we have like this conviction where we're like, oh, this is the week, and then something <laughs> terrible happens. I have no conviction about this card hardly in any spot. So yeah, yeah. watch. Sure. I always typically do find that I do the best when I am most nervous. Um, just yeah. because like I've I've turned every stone and you kind of know some of the outcomes, but like, yeah, this card, yeah. um, this card, it, it this card. Do you know um uh 
anything about Shakur Stevenson. I haven't even I don't even know he's fighting this weekend. Like I've, I don't, I've seen a couple. I haven't of, even looked at it. Matt, see the thing is this time of year, Maddie and I we are nose deep in NFL. I'm doing college football. I've got NBA a few days a week, like hockey yeah. stuff. Like yeah, I, I'm UFC, NFL, NBA are my three right now, and I don't have the bandwidth for anything else. Right. Like, like I got, I dipped my toe in, in Ganu Fury and that was about all I have for boxing for the next month. Yeah. But like, um, I like, I like that parlay. I, I obviously always tail, but I, I, I will go ahead and tail that guy because those are legs that, that I'm, that I like, and I'm showing value on the hundred percent. So, um, I great parlay. That in, in the, in the Florida, uh, betting's legal in Florida now as of a few days ago. So the very first parlay I put in on the hard rock sports bet app i have yeah. a 6700 can't make it up wow oh that's right that was hard rock they, they you i had should never bet the out on the app again <laughs> <laughs> retire one for one or i couldn't you, believe it bro 6700 you know what happens when you hit a parlay the first thing you say is why didn't i bet more on it yeah and me like a hundred dollars bro i throw a hundred on anything that's like looking back on it i'm like i can't believe i didn't have at least 300 on that or 500 I'm like, damn, that would have been 500 would have paid over 30k. Yeah, and I was like pissed. But then you have to remember, you have to remember to tell yourself like, be happy you won, be grateful. But man, you hundred dollars on that thing plus 6700, five yeah. thousand on it, <laughs> 67,000. Yeah, but I had I a lay that, that way. I had a lay that was going to pay out 15 units for me. It had Yuri as the last leg. I hedged 20 percent with Pereira before the fight started, and I am glad I did. Um, yeah. yeah, like. I know you don't hedge, but like, I just had a bad feeling about the way that that was going. And like, there were very sharp people, yourself included, that really liked Pereira. I liked Yuri. You know, I love that age trend. How about Alex Pereira being one of the people that defies that? Now, he's he's the perfect guy to defy shit like that. Yeah. And honestly, so the only time I do hedge, and it's very, you can't really do it in MMA. The time I hedge is like, let's say, for example, I have an NFL team. Uh, let's say I have a seven-point favorite as the last leg on the money line. I will hedge on the dog plus seven and get a seven-point window yeah. to hit both. Yep. Those are the scenarios I love to hedge. I call it insurance plus upside. That's, that's not a hedge. Insure- a <laughs> it's still a hedge. Yeah, the day, you're still guaranteeing profit on your last leg. True. So those are the scenarios that I love hedging. <laughs> but I, you know, the part that drives me crazy, and I get a million DMs a day on this shit, people bet a three-leg parlay. The first two legs hit and they DM me, yo, should I just hedge out? And I'm like, well, why don't you just bet a two-leg parlay if you knew you were going to hedge on the third? Yeah. I tell people only hedge in a few scenarios. One yep. is a scenario I just explained. You have a middle scenario where you have a window and you can hit both. You're getting insurance and upside. Two, if it's life-changing money, don't let anyone judge you for hedging. Go ahead and hedge and secure the, secure the bag. But like people are literally – betting $20 to win 120 and they're hedging on the last leg just because <laughs> they think it's the intelligent thing to do. Yeah. And they couldn't be more wrong about that. So there are scenarios where you should hedge, but I just think it's overused and people do it and sports books love it. And the worst thing, don't even get me started on this people that hit the cash out button. Yeah. Those people I have no words for. Now, again, if it's life changing money and you don't have the finances to hedge properly, then I understand it. But people that are cashing out just to cash out is crazy to me. Sportsbooks love that shit. Yeah. 
I, I, I will say that like there are very rare scenarios in which it's positive expected value to like, hey, like the thing you're talking about, like a smaller parlay to win like $120. If your last leg is around even money, you're taking money out of your pocket long term by hedging that off. There are scenarios like say you had a 10 leg NFL parlay this last week that was coming down to Bill's money line on Monday night. You could have thrown some on the Broncos money line at plus four fifty or whatever it is to hedge that out. And you would have, and yeah. you're taking away less ex- expected profit. So it does depend what the leg is and things like that mathematically. But like, I just also, I just also got a bad gut feeling about Yuri beforehand. So that. No, I understand. And like, that's the other thing is there's injuries, there's feelings, like there's different things that happen where you, you're hedging, but people are just mathematically doing it because they think they're smart. Yeah. And that part drives me crazy. I have one clip I have to play before we get off. So anyone that stayed on this live is about to enjoy get a treat. It. I can, what you I got? Find it. Throw the elbows. so bad now so i had i think i hit 11 grand on that bet I yeah had plus 30 plus 3800 yeah i think it was like it was like 300 bucks or something uh but i had so i had round two and three so i lost on the round three but yeah that shit was electric bro <laughs> yeah ab- absolutely like i and by the way i forgot how late that stoppage was coming because you and i were texting during this fight i texted you when when craig got mount and like i was like this could be it um and, and you you were not going to respond to me because you were doing what was taking place in that video yeah i, was I do text you i'm like hey we're i i text you i had you and i both told each other this weekend that we typed up jared gordon we're like we're so live here because we were expecting it to get to the end of the first round i couldn't believe it yeah and then it was already over by the time you and i had typed the words to each other like oh madsen is finished like we that was going to be a lock cash in round two i could just oh sit my back god and enjoy it, it would have like, won uh, so fast yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, that's oh. cool stuff. And like, and I come on, Maddie, you're gonna go from wearing the blue paint, cashing that ahead of Paul Craig, and now he's a dog here again. You're gonna get another plus one thousand or better, whatever you no, decide man. to do. And you're gonna bet on Brendan Allen. No, I can't. Like I said, if I take Brendan Allen, it'll be the knockout prop. But yeah. I'm gonna spend some time on it the next few days. I need to get my head straight, lock myself into a room, and just watch footage, just study the line movement. And really just figure out what I want to take because I have biases on both guys. That's the problem is Brendan Allen, South Florida guy. I've met him. Um, My tailor actually works with him as well. Paul Craig hit the big knockout prop on. And like Brendan Allen, both these guys have come so so far on the feet. Like they both look a hell of a lot better than they used to. So 
We will see where my money ends up. We 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 shall see, but I don't know about you, Maddie. I am pretty tired of talking about UFC Vegas 82. Looking forward to the main event, but this is going to be a wonky, weird card to build a betting card for. I'm so glad you guys could join mm. us. Kind of sifted through it together. We have a few leads out there as well as we're able to cobble together a parlay that, hey, at least it looks pretty good and uh, and might actually even pay more depending on what you get Alexander at here stateside. But thanks, guys, for joining us. We will be back next week. We have UFC Austin Daryush Saryukian. That should be a good one in the main event. Mm. So um, closing out the year strong. Four strong events. I believe they're all road shows here to close out. And then middle of December, Maddie will be in Vegas taking in Edwards Covington at UFC 296 too. So sure. a lot of good cards to come. We'll be here Tuesday around this 8.30 p.m. Eastern time slot. Until next week, guys, take care, and I hope you win all your bets.